Part three of the Ruby and the Cauldron by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part three. I was so thoroughly put out that I did not wait to hear the loud complaints which burst from every lip, drawing Mr. Ashley aside who by the way seemed as much affected as myself by the turn affairs had taken i remarked to him that there was only one course left open to us and what is that to ask miss glover to show me what she picked up from your driveway and if she refuses to take her quietly with me to the station where we have women who can make sure that the ruby is not on her person Mr. Ashley made an involuntary gesture of strong repugnance. "'Let us pray that it will not come to that,' he objected hoarsely. "'Such a fine figure of a girl. Did you notice how bright and happy she looked when the lights sprang up? I declare she struck me as lovely.' "'So she did me, and caused me to draw some erroneous conclusions.' I shall have to ask you to procure me an interview with her as soon as we return to the house. She shall meet you in the library. But when, a few minutes later, she joined me in the room just designated and I had full opportunity of reading her countenance, I own that my task became suddenly hateful to me. She was not far from my own daughter's age, and, had it not been for her furtive look of care, appeared almost as blooming and bright would it ever come to pass that a harsh man of the law would feel it his duty to speak to my flora as i must now speak to the young girl before me the thought made me inwardly recoil and it was in as gentle a manner as possible that i made my bow and began with the following remark i hope you will pardon me miss glover i am told that is your name i hate to disturb your pleasure this with the tears of alarm and grief rising in her eyes but you can tell me something which will greatly simplify my task and possibly put matters in such shape that you and your friends can be released to your homes i she stood before me with amazed eyes the colour rising in her cheeks I had to force my next words, which, out of consideration for her, I made as direct as possible. Yes, miss, what was the article you were seen to pick up from the driveway soon after leaving your carriage? She started, then stumbled backwards, tripping in her long train. I pick up? she murmured. Then with a blush, whether of anger or pride I could not tell, she coldly answered, "'Oh, that was something of my own, something I had just dropped. I had rather not tell you what it was.' I scrutinized her closely. She met my eyes squarely, yet not with just the clear light I should, remembering Flora, have been glad to see there. "'I think it would be better for you to be entirely frank,' said I. "'It was the only article known to have been picked up from the driveway after Mr. Dean's loss of the ruby, and though we do not presume to say that it was the ruby, yet the matter would look clearer to us all if you would frankly state what this object was.' Her whole body seemed to collapse, 
and she looked as if about to sink. "'Oh, where is Minnie? Where is Mr. Dean?' she moaned, turning and staring at the door as if she hoped they would fly to her aid. Then, in a burst of indignation which I was fain to believe real, she turned on me with the cry, "'It was a bit of paper which I had thrust into the bosom of my gown. It fell out—' "'Your dressmaker's bill?' I intimated. She stared, laughed hysterically for a moment, then sank upon a nearby sofa, sobbing spasmodically. "'Yes,' she cried after a moment. "'My dressmaker's bill. You seem to know all my affairs.' Then suddenly, and with a startling impetuosity, which drew her to her feet, "'Are you going to tell everybody that? Are you going to state publicly that Miss Glover brought an unpaid bill to the party, and that because Mr. Dean was unfortunate enough, or careless enough, to drop and lose the jewel he was bringing to Mrs. Burton, she is to be looked upon as a thief, because she stooped to pick up this bill which had slipped inadvertently from its hiding-place?' i shall die if you do she cried i shall die if it is already known she pursued with increasing emotion is it is it her passion was so great so much greater than any likely to rise in a breast wholly innocent that i began to feel very sober no one but mrs ashley and possibly her son will know about the bill said i and no one shall if you will go with that lady to her room and make plain to her in the only way you can that the extremely valuable article which has been lost to-night is not in your possession she threw up her arms with a scream oh what horror i cannot i cannot oh i shall die of shame my father my mother and she burst from the room like one distraught but in another moment she came cringing back i cannot face them she said they all believe it they will always believe it unless i submit oh why did i ever come to this dreadful place why did i order this hateful dress which i can never pay for and which in spite of the misery it has caused me has failed to bring me there she did not continue she had caught my eye and seen there perhaps some evidence of the pity i could not but experience for her with a sudden change of tone she advanced upon me with the appeal save me from this humiliation i have not seen the ruby i am as ignorant of its whereabouts as-as mr ashley himself won't you believe me won't they be satisfied if i swear i was really sorry for her i began to think too that some dreadful mistake had been made her manner seemed too ingenuous for guilt yet where could that ruby be if not with this young girl certainly all other possibilities had been exhausted and her story of the bill even if accepted would never quite exonerate her from secret suspicion while that elusive jewel remained unfound you give me no hope she moaned i must go before them all and ask to have it proved that i am no thief oh if god would have pity or some one would find hullo what's that a shout had risen from the hall beyond 
she gasped and we both plunged forward mr ashley still in his overcoat stood at the other end of the hall and facing him were arranged the whole line of young people whom i had left scattered about in the various parlours i thought he looked peculiar certainly his appearance differed from that of a quarter of an hour before and when he glanced our way and saw who was standing with me in the library doorway his voice took on a tone which made me doubt whether he was about to announce good news or bad but his first word settled that question rejoice with me he cried the ruby has been found do you want to see the culprit for there is a culprit we have him at the door shall we bring him in yes yes cried several voices among them that of mr deane who now strode forward with beaming eyes and instinctively lifted hand but some of the ladies looked frightened and mr ashley noting this glanced for encouragement toward us he seemed to find it in miss glover's eyes she had quivered and nearly fallen at that word found but had drawn herself up by this time and was awaiting his further action in a fever of relief and hope which perhaps no one but myself could fully appreciate a vile thief a most unconscionable rascal vociferated mr ashley you must see him mother you must see him ladies else you will not realize our good fortune open the door and bring in the robber at this command uttered in ringing tones the huge leaves of the great front door swung slowly forward revealing the sturdy forms of the two stablemen holding down by main force the towering figure of a horse the scream of astonishment which went up from all sides united to mr ashley's shout of hilarity caused the animal unused no doubt to drawing-rooms to rear to the length of his bridle at which mr ashley laughed again and gaily cried confound the fellow look at him mother look at him ladies do you not see guilt written on his brow it is he who has made us all this trouble first he must needs take umbrage at the two lights with which we presumed to illuminate our porch then envying mrs burton her ruby and mr deane his reward seek to rob them both by grinding his hoofs all over the snow of the driveway till he came upon the jewel which mr deane had dropped from his pocket and taking it up in a ball of snow secreted in his left hind shoe where it might be yet if mr spencer here he bowed to a strange gentleman who at that moment entered had not come himself for his daughters and going first to the stable found his horse so restless and seemingly lame there boys you may take the wretch away now and harness him but first hold up that guilty left hind hoof for the ladies to see that he stooped to examine him and so he came upon this here the young gentleman brought forward his hand in it was a nondescript little wed well soaked and shapeless but once he had untied the kid such a ray of rosy light burst from his outstretched palm that i doubt if a single woman there noted the clatter of the retiring beast or the heavy clang made by the two front doors as they shut upon the robber eyes and tongues were too busy and mr ashley realizing probably 
that the interest of all present would remain for a few minutes at least with this marvellous jewel so astonishingly recovered laid it with many expressions of thankfulness in mrs burton's now eagerly outstretched palm and advancing towards us paused in front of miss glover and eagerly held out his hand congratulate me he prayed all our troubles are over oh what now the poor young thing in trying to smile had turned as white as a sheet before either of us could interpose an arm she had slipped to the floor in a dead faint with a murmur of pity and possibly of inward contrition he stooped over her and together we carried her into the library where i left her in his care confident from certain indications that my presence would not be greatly missed by either of them whatever hope i may have had of reaping the reward offered by mrs ashley was now lost but in the satisfaction i experienced at finding this young girl as innocent as my flora i did not greatly care well it all ended even more happily than may here appear the horse not putting in his claim to the reward and mr spencer repudiating all right to it it was paid in full to mr deane who went home in as buoyant a state of mind as was possible to him after the great anxiety of the preceding two hours miss glover was sent back by the ashleys in their own carriage and i was told that mr ashley declined to close the carriage door upon her until she had promised to come again the following night anxious to make such amends as i personally could for my share in the mortification to which she had been subjected i visited her in the morning with the intention of offering a suggestion or two in regard to that little bill but she met my first advance with a radiant smile and the glad exclamation oh i have settled that i have just come from madame du i told her that i had never imagined the dress could possibly cost more than a hundred dollars and i offered her that sum if she would take the garment back and she did she did and i shall never have to wear that dreadful satin again i made a note of this dressmaker's name she and i may have a bone to pick some day but i said nothing to miss glover i merely exclaimed and to-night oh i have an old spotted muslin which with a few natural flowers will make me look festive enough one does not need fine clothes when one is happy the dreamy far-off smile with which she finished the sentence was more eloquent than words and i was not surprised when some time later i read of her engagement to mr ashley but it was not until she could sign herself with his name that she told me just what underlay the misery of that night she had met harrison ashley more than once before and though she did not say so had evidently conceived an admiration for him which made her especially desirous of attracting and pleasing him not understanding the world very well certainly having very little knowledge of the tastes and feelings of wealthy people she conceived that the more brilliantly she was attired the more likely she would be to please this rich young man so in a moment of weakness she decided to devote all her small savings a hundred dollars as we know 
to buying a gown such as she felt she could appear in at his house without shame it came home as dresses from french dressmakers are very apt to do just in time for her to put it on for the party the bill came with it and when she saw the amount it was all itemized and she could find no fault with anything but the summing up she was so overwhelmed that she nearly fainted but she could not give up her ball so she dressed herself and being urged all the time to hurry hardly stopped to give one look at the new and splendid gown which had cost so much the bill the incredible the enormous bill was all she could think of and the figures which represented nearly her whole year's earnings danced constantly before her eyes how to pay it but she could not pay it nor could she ask her father to do so she was ruined but the ball and mr ashley these still awaited her so presently she worked herself up to some anticipation of enjoyment and having thrown on her cloak was turning down her light preparatory to departure when her eye fell on the bill lying open on her dresser it would never do to leave it there never do to leave it anywhere in her room there were prying eyes in the house and she was as ashamed of that bill as she might have been of a contemplated theft so she tucked it in her corsage and went down to join her friends in the carriage the rest we know but one small detail which turned to gal whatever enjoyment she was able to get out of the early evening there was a young girl present dressed in a simple muslin gown while looking at it and inwardly contrasting it with her own splendour mr ashley passed by with another gentleman and she heard him say how much better young girls look in simple white than in the elaborate silks only suitable for their mothers thoughtless words possibly forgotten as soon as uttered but they sharply pierced this already sufficiently stricken and uneasy breast and were the cause of the tears which had aroused my suspicion when i came upon her in the library standing with her face to the night but who can say whether if the evening had been devoid of these occurrences and no emotions of contrition and pity had been awakened in her behalf in the breast of her chivalrous host she would ever have become mrs ashley end of part three end of the ruby and the cauldron by anna catherine green recording by carolyn on friday april thirteenth two thousand and twelve in oslo norway thanks for listening